I will call to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, April the 26th, 2021. Uh, let the uh, record show that we started uh, probably a minute early, uh, but that's okay. Um, there's just some perfunctory uh, things that we have to get through. Uh, so the first item is the adoption of the agenda. And I will ask the CAO, uh, are there any additions or deletions, Mr. Parker? Uh, there are two deletions, Your Worship. Item 14.1 and 14.3 in the closed session. Okay, uh, do you perhaps want to leave one of them on just, for, just so you can vent? No, no, no. There, there's one of the three that are on, Your Worship. None of the three, you're taking all of the no, no, one is left. Item 14.2 is left. Okay, privileged information. Okay, very good. Um, uh, yeah. Yes, Ms. Manzer. I'll move the agenda as amended. Okay, all in favor? We don't often get deletions. Uh, that takes us to the minutes of the April 12, 2021 regular council meeting. Um, has uh, um, people should have gone through it, uh, checked it out, um, but perhaps we can get somebody that truly did go through it with a fine tooth comb, uh, make a motion. Uh, it wasn't a fine tooth comb, your worship. It was, uh, uh, it was a comb though. Uh, I would move the April 12th uh, minutes as uh, presented. Okay, all in favor? Uh, passed. I understand there's no public hearings, Mr. Parker. That is correct, Your Worship. Uh, nor are there any presentations. There are none, Your Worship. I was expecting the uh, the uh, presentation from Mr. Dave Walty regarding uh, uh, possible watershed management area for the Pats Creek. Uh, when, yeah, we when we have it set up. No, sorry, Your Worship, we haven't set up first speaking with uh, Mr. McQuaig, and then at that point, uh, he'll decide if he wants to continue uh, to actually come forward to uh, council. So okay. Mr. McQuaig is uh, setting up a meeting first, though. Okay. And uh, we do have a couple of other presentations that are coming up in future meetings. Um, we're just waiting for the individual to come back. And in one case, uh, they have come back. So we, we do expect some presentations coming up. And what would that one be? Don't leave us hanging uh, here, Mr. Parker. One having to deal with, um, oh, <laughs> oh God, I can't remember. Yeah, it's, 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 oh. it's, it's, it's <laughs> hopefully they're not listening because <laughs> that would imply that uh, it, it wasn't uh, important enough to remember. Um, I believe Arnold Viersen sent us an email too, looking to connect with us there that that could be one of them is that one you're forgetting that's one that we're waiting for uh for him to say which state he'd like to come back he, he hasn't got back to say which state but no there there's another one that we have uh, an actual date on and uh there's they're set up for okay um that will take us to bylaws there's a number of those we've got bylaw 2093 and this is regarding the 2021 tax rate bylaw. Uh, who is leading that, Mr. Parker? And Mr. Uh, uh, Town will be bringing us through that. 
Let me get on the right screen. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. I, I see you brought Mr. Schramm as backup, Mr. Town. Yes, yeah. Um, just in case it gets out of hand, uh, the two of us should be able to drown out seven councillors if they're with any luck. So before you and council is the proposed 2021 tax rate bylaw 2093. Um, this is an annual requirement pursuant to section 535 of the MGA where council must pass the property tax bylaw um, each year. And this gives authority um, of council to impose a tax in respect to properties within the municipality to re raise revenues used towards the payment of expenditures um, and other amounts as identified within the budget. Um, we are required to show our rates separately, um, including other levies such as for the Alberta School Foundation, North Peace Housing uh, requisitions. And as normal, tax notices will be mailed to property owners in mid to late May um, and are due starting June 30th of 2021. Um, assessment information is also shown within the report. Um, overall assessments um, have experienced a downward um, change compared to the previous year. Um, it's fairly significant change. There was a minor change or decrease last year. This year is actually quite a bit higher at 5.4%. Um, and they're generally, they're, they're spread over most of the categories. Some categories have experienced higher changes than others. Um, and again, a lot of these reductions are due, um, I will say partially to the ongoing economic situation around the pandemic, um, which will have impacts. And again, this is a generational item plus prevailing economic conditions um, within uh, certain sectors, resource sectors, for example, um, that the town uh, relies on for, for a lot of its um, economic development within the area. So again, it's a global market, a global economy. We uh, cannot escape that. And again, increased pressures on um, extraction type resources are continuing to um, have impacts on assessments within the town. And again, those are both on residential and commercial um, type assessments. Yeah, you'd think the lumber prices would buoy up the local economy, but I take it that isn't the, uh, the, the case. Assessments are a year behind, so we might see that in future years. Uh, it's also kind of my experience with assessments are they're kind of like gas prices. Um, takes a while to change the benefit to the town, um, even though markets might show differently than so. The, the, the benefits will come slower to us, I, I tend to find. Um, gonna have a bit of a discussion and this might be a little bit of a roundabout one because I wanna explain it as clearly as possible on the tax rate for the upcoming year. Um, and I did a couple of slides that might show this also. Um, but if council remembers, and again, I do, because I stress this, as we're going through deliberations, um, we ended up with a $27,000 year to year difference on our tax revenue requirements. Um, and I was saying, and I did say at the time, 
that that will essentially equate to a zero um, percent or a zero tax bill um, increase or impact. Um, however, and I'll, I'll claim a bit of a mea culpa on this one, when we started to look at the assessment information and the required revenues and, and assessments within the town, um, if council remembers, and I'm sure you do, in 2020, we approved the one-time adjustment where we used our own monies, um, $340,000 um, to stabilize or to reduce essentially the tax rate during the COVID pandemic. Uh, this reduced the tax rate at the time. Um, and since that monies, those monies are not being used or they're not available to help constrain tax rate increases in 2021, um, they need to be reintroduced back into to the rates. So 2021 is actually a bit of a catch up here because we artificially um, reduced some last year. Um, and that was about 3%, $340,000, about 3.1% on the tax rate. Um, so this catch up is happening. However, the impact isn't as, as uh, big as, as I had feared when I started doing this calculation. Um, so in general terms, the proposed bylaw increases are showing a pretty significant residential rate. And I'm, I'm focusing on residential, even though the same is true for other classes. Um, a rate increase of about 7.9% from 9.36 cents to 10.10 uh, cents per hundred or $1,000 of assessed value. However, that increase is offset by assessment decreases and for the residential class of 6.6%. So what this means is that a typical, um, excuse me, single family dwelling um, would experience this year um, based on the prevailing rates or the proposed rates, an increase of about 1.3%. Um, and again, as I mentioned, this is sort of similar for for non-residential um, or commercial properties also. You mentioned this is equivalent to about $3 per month. It is. Um, I'm actually gonna show my screen here if I may, cause it will, for those watching, um, they'll be able to see, see the same information um, as I'm proposing here. And I'm gonna slip over to some slides here in a minute. Um, so typical residential property, and I will highlight this in 2020 at our median assessed value, and we've shown this for a couple of years now, so I didn't change it, of $325,000, would experience a property tax bill of $3,043.24. In 2021, based on the reduced assessed value and a change in residential tax rate, would experience a tax bill of $3,080.70, um, which is a change of $37.46 or um, $3 and approximately $3 per month. I'm gonna flip over to, to these slides and this sort of shows the same thing a little differently. Um, but again, I think it's important for the background. 
So in 2019, our required tax revenues were 11.27 million. So just under 11.3 million. Our deliberations out here showed that the tax revenues or um, tax revenue requirement would have to increase pretty significantly to $3.64 million or a change of $361,000 year to year, which means we would have seen an increase of approximately 3.4, uh, 3.5% on tax bills last year. However, and council will uh, recall this at its April 24th meeting of last year, they received the financial option response to the COVID-19 report and council decided to use identified savings of 340,000 to reduce the tax revenue amount. So again, one-time adjustment, it reduced our tax revenue requirement of 11.64 million down to $11.3 million. And the wording for the bylaws there, and we actually showed that $340,000 as an amount. When we started doing deliberations this year, um, we showed the approved budgeted amount last year of $11.64 million, um, but didn't fully understand or appreciate or communicate that impact to council during our deliberations. So since we had to make up that $340,000 and we didn't show it that way, um, our, our increase of $26,000 or 0.2 of a percent would normally mean that a typical tax or a typical residential property would experience the zero or negligible tax bill increase, depending on other assessments and, um, and where they were. Um, and again, staff should have identified this a little clearer, but again, not fully understanding how, how this does play out. The final slide here um, just sort of does a snapshot and a quick tax levy analysis that, that we did, where the original levy in 2020 for residential properties was just under $5.7 million. Um, $5.68 million. The 2006 residential properties, that would average out to 2834 per property. And again, a little bit different numbers because we're looking at um, this coming from a bit of a different angle. We did reduce the residential levy requirement through our COVID savings. Um, and that was a reduction on the residential levy of, as I math this up, but $160,000, $165,000, which reduced the tax bill, average tax bill to 2751, or 2.9% less than what we had originally um, uh, believed it would have been if we hadn't have changed that. Under the 2021 proposed tax rate bylaw, the residential levy is increasing by 51,000, almost 52,000 over the amended 2020 amount, which means that the average tax bill would be 27.77, which is 0.9% higher than last year, a little different than the 1.2% number that we were showing um, 
but within the ballpark. Um, but still, and this is important, 2% less than what was originally proposed or considered in 2020. I wanna be careful saying that because I don't wanna be the finance person who says, well, we could have taxed you higher, but you know, thank God we didn't. Um, you know, that's, that's not appropriate to say it, but you know, just the fact that um, based on, on what the, the tax rate should have been or could have been in 2020, um, residents in 2021 are still paying less than, than we, what we had or originally anticipated um, compared to the 2020 year. Um, the reasons why it's not a larger increase is because we did, even though we don't have that $340,000 available to us in 2021, we did bake some of those savings into the 2020 budget. So for example, training development was reduced throughout the organization. Other services um, were reduced or constrained such as um, the visitor information center and whatnot. Um, other expected changes were, were constrained. So the residents are seeing the benefit of those. Um, there are some um, internal changes on different classes. So if a class didn't have as big of an assessment reduction and there are a couple, um, their reduction won't be as big. And there were higher than expected new or non-market value assessments. So um, new construction, uh, construction changes, additions, that type of stuff. So as written, the, the bylaw um, residents would expect to experience um, tax bill increases in the one to 1.2% range. And I'll just flip back to the report here. Um, and those are based on the deliberations of council at the time. Again, still lower than what they would have experienced in 2020 if we hadn't made that amendment. Um, so we did carry over some of those savings. So residents still are seeing um, lower potential tax bills than they, they would have seen in 2020 anyway. Again, it's still a bit higher this year than last year. We can't say it's a zero rate increase. Um, but it's very, very nominal amount, probably in the 1% range for, for typical type peoples. Um, in terms of other information, uh, third-party requisitions are also shown there for council. There are slight increases over the previous year, about half a percent for the school um, and just over 1% for the um, Seniors Housing North Peace Foundation. So we'll take any questions, but staff are recommending that council do give first, second, third reading to bylaw 2093. I do think you made a, your explanation was, was quite good, but we will open it to questions. Uh, uh, I can see us taking uh, some heat for the Alberta schools and the North Peace Foundation, but uh, that's always the case. Um, so questions of Mr. Town, Mr. Ford. Yes, mine is more of a more of a language thing. So if you look at uh, under the request for decision above the recommendation, 
uh, third party requisitions, you refer to North Peace Foundation. Then if you scroll down to page one of four of the bylaw, it uh, refers to 449.665 to the Seniors Housing Foundation. And then if you scroll down to the, cla the classes, like class 1A and everything, um, on those charts there, it refers to North Peace Foundation. Would I be correct in saying that should all be North Peace Housing Foundation as far as language is considered? Um, sorry, Mr. Sharm, is there a reason why we show them uh, based on that verbiage or is that just um, we should be more consistent in the future? And you're on mute. Yeah, you're still, still on mute, mute uh, Alan. Sorry, I'm technolog technologically and verbally challenged. Uh, it should just be uh, standardizing the verbiage. It's it all is the same. So, uh, what are we going to standardize it to? North Peace Housing Foundation. So that'll be an amendment going forward. Correct. So that'll be a motion to on first reading to uh, to go to first reading with uh, with the, the amendment to to uh, adopt North Peace Housing Foundation for seniors housing and also North Peace Foundation. Uh, Ms. Mazur? Just a question on that. The way I interpreted it was senior housing foundation was sort of a classification no matter what they were called. Just like, you know, um, opted out school boards is a classification. It's not Peace River School Division and Holy Family and so on listed. That was my interpretation, but I go along with whatever. Sorry, I'd, I'd like to confirm that uh, that is uh, uh, Deputy Mayor Manager is correct on, on that uh, concept there. So we're not going to yeah, you uh, don't do need any to amendments? Don't need to amend, no. Okay, Mr. Good. Um, you know, I mean, I surprisingly enough paid a lot of attention during the, you know, a fair amount of attention during the um, budget deliberations and the, I appreciate the mea culpa. I really, and I'm sincere about that. I appreciate the finance department talking about the mea culpa, but I have, I have a serious, it's sort of riding in my mind right now that had we been looking at um, an 8% increase in assessment, you know, pardon me, an 8% increase in the tax rate and had understood 7.9, so roughly 8% increase in the tax rate and had understood that, which we I don't believe was really clarified or pointed out, I think, at least to my understanding, in any detail at the time of our deliberations that we may have taken a look at the overall budget somewhat differently. It's somewhat of a different situation when assessments are riding, rising and there's good news for most people. They've, they've increased their asset, they've increased their value, they've, you know, there's some happy news on that. And if you leave a tax rate the same, you're basically just taking your, your, the town share of the ride. And in a way you take a look at your 
you're taking a certain amount of the benefit of the of the result of good management, the ben the benefit of the good result of good economics. Here, I have difficulty because in a way we're we're not reflecting the loss in value that has been incurred by the resident um, or, or the, you know, in, in the value of their asset. Now I know that that really doesn't affect anything until the moment of resale, because before that it's kind of a, um, it's, it's a kind of a cloud. It's, it's not really real. You haven't gotten anything or lost anything. You still live in the house um, on the sale of the house. It could make a difference to your, to what you have in your bank. Prior to that, it makes no difference to your bank. But we're not really reflecting that. And I really, I'm being very sincere when I say this. I think that had we been looking at an, an 8% increase in the assessment rate spelled out that this is what it's going to amount to because any information or the my remember hearing is that assessments hadn't changed that much and a seven percent change in or eight percent change in assessment is a substantial one if you had that for three or four years that's a good chunk of your value gone three years you're losing a quarter of your value almost if you lost this the same eight percent per year so uh, this this really makes it uncomfortable for me to just sit there and say, well, let's just charge ahead. We need the money. I mean, I understand that we do need the money, but I'm not sure that we would have looked at a lot of things in the budget the same way had we known this. And I don't believe we did. Uh, Mr. Scammerhorn. Yeah, I was kind of always under the impression that, you know, what good management of the town means that we figure out how much money that it costs to run the town and then we we find out what the assessments are doing and then the tax rate is adjusted to meet the 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 demands. And so while maybe I missed your point, Don, I, I guess, but so in other years that's that's at least what it felt like we did. And so um you know, we did have a goal to shoot for, for, for keeping taxes very low or the increase uh, very negligible, if, if not down to nothing at all. Um, and so there was things that we decided not to do and things that we held off on and, and, and whatnot in our, in our capital budgets and, and in our operating budget that we, we made changes to. So I, I don't know, I, I feel like we have achieved for the most part the, the goal that we were looking to do here at the end so um, um, maybe maybe I'm just not not tracking very well and that could be my my issue with you there not not necessarily that you're wrong if I may respond to that you're you're correct that we took a look at um, we didn't take a look at the we took a look at what we believe we needed, but we also took a look at what we thought we could afford and what we could get. I mean, the amount of money you spend, in, if I spend in my house, is based on what I can afford too. So to some extent, I think some of our discussions may have been, well, we can afford to do this because our assessment is remaining close. Uh, it's not a big thing. It's just that per, well, public perception, I think is going to be, depending on how you want to talk about it, um, you raise the taxes, 
Now, you didn't raise the amount of money taken from the customer by 8%. That didn't change, really. It was a matter of $3 a month. It's, you know, it's a, it's a minuscule amount. But if I was going to play with it, if I was going to have fun with it, I'd say you raise taxes, you raise the taxes in Peace River by 8%. And then you have to defend against, yes, I raised it 8% or 7.9%. So it's, it is a verbiage thing, but it's also, it does, it does color how you look at things. I'm not saying we're wrong. I'm not saying that we're not getting the right amount of money into the, into our finances. It just, and I think that Greg alluded to this, that that wasn't really, unless I'm misunderstanding, Greg, I think you're not really disagreeing with what I'm saying in terms of our perception of the assessment, because my, my understanding was we had sort of viewed assessment might drop a little bit, but I don't think we were expecting a seven or 8% reduction. Yeah, 5.4% um, is a number and that is higher than um, what I had shared with council back when we started this process in December. Um, the preliminary numbers back then were a couple percent. Um, so I was expecting two or 3% um, assessment reductions, not the 5.4%. So, um, and that's one of the challenges of preparing your budget earlier than you receive your assessments. Um, again, as Councillor Scamahorn mentions, philosophically, it makes no difference, but I also understand, you know, the, the conceptual or um, the emotional um, response to, to trying to achieve some of this. Okay, any further questions for Mr. Uh, um, for, for Mr. Uh, Town? I do note that, uh, you know, talking about coloring it, um, it um, you know, when you uh, you speak to the equivalent of three dollar increase per month, I I think that uh, that's a little more concrete and a little more solid uh, for the average citizen. Um, Ms. Downing, thank you, Your Worship, and good evening. So I appreciate Mr. Towns' explanation. Um, I. I have had to talk to him and Mr. Parker because I was a little bit confused about sort of how this was laid out. So thanks, uh, Mr. Town, for, for going through this again. It does make a little bit more sense. But I have to say that Councillor Good also helped to explain to me sort of what part of this wasn't sitting good with, well with me. So hypothetically, um, what would happen if, you know, things, the magic wand was waved over our area and our our, let's just say our assessment value just went back up the 5.2 it dropped today. What, what would it look like for next year's budget and, regard, and, and next council if that was the case? Well, I would still take the same approach of targeting tax bill changes. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't view found assessment as is new assessment, especially on, on, on existing assessment stock. If okay. it's new construction or whatever, it's, you know, that's kind of found money, but based on existing assessments, we'd, we'd take the same rationale. And if there's a 5% increase, but we only want like a 1% tax rate increase or a tax bill increase, then the rate would then go down 4% or whatever that, that relationship is. And that's how I would suggest and how I would hopefully uh, try to manage that. Thank you for that clarification. I thought that was it, 
but I just wanted to clarify. The other thing is, is your worship, your comment about our third party requisitions, both of those going up. So even though we're saying in in the par couple paragraphs above that it's $3 uh, a month per month increase, uh, we're the ones that are going to take a hit on the fact that it's not really a $3 a month per per residential in the and that average assessment that we've used as an example it's going to be more than that for our taxpayers with the increases in both north in both yeah. north peace housing going to have and, to educate them on the difference between property ta uh, property tax for the town and alberta school foundation fund and north peace housing absolutely fund. your worship but we are for sure the easier target so thank you yeah well we're the target because it shows up on on a piece of paper that we send out with our logo on it. Okay. Uh, Mr. Mayor, just one comment about all of this. I think um, um, residents, taxpayers, are, we're, sort of, we're sort of holding our own on services, which I think should not be forgotten in this budget. Um, you, yeah, so we're, what, what do you mean we're holding our own on services? I, uh, uh, for example, we haven't we haven't uh, um, well here's a out of the world. We haven't decided to um, forget our pothole fixing program or forget our right. snow uh, uh, removal program or stuff right. like that. Uh, yeah, they shouldn't. Uh, there won't be a reduction in services and an increase in property taxes, Mr. Good. Well, I think that's a, a very valid point. And I think there are two valid points in here. It just makes for an uncomfortable discussion. It's not that the reality is different. I mean, even in your own house, if you have a roof that's failing, you've got to fix your roof. If you have a gas bill coming in, you still got to pay your bills. I mean, the town has expenses that it doesn't have a choice on. And even in some of the expenses that we do have a choice on, I don't think people would want us to say, for example, I mean, this is hypothetical. We could say we can't afford a fire department. I mean, that's legally within the MGA, the, the ability of a town to say, we can't afford a fire department, we're gonna drop fire service. I don't think that would be an acceptable reduction, even if it saved taxpayers dollars. And I think the majority of services that the town provides, nobody wants to see less of and if people don't want to see less of, then you've got to pay the bill. I mean, there's no kind of avoiding that. Um, and I wasn't trying to be critical of our deliberations or really critical of, you know, of finance, because as Greg pointed out, we make a budget prior to knowing what's going to happen with the assessment. We make some assumptions, but nobody's a fortune teller. Um, it's just that I think there's the info, what we've discussed in the last few minutes, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, if somebody takes the time to listen to it, we'll give them a, a, a good background into how those numbers relate, how taxes relate to assessment, the thought processes that go into it, and how you come up with the final number. So I'm okay with it. Okay. Uh, let's move to first reading and uh, if there's more questions, Ms. Manzer. I move first reading of um, uh, bylaw 2093, the 2021 tax rate bylaw. As presented, correct? As presented. Okay. All in favor? Uh, looks like uh, unanimous support. Or did I, were there any 
contrarian uh, votes? No, okay. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, if you have further questions uh, or comments, uh, now's the time before we go to second reading. Um, if not, I will take a motion for second reading. Mr. Good, uh, all in favor? Um, do I have a motion to enable us to go to third reading um, unless there's some other questions? Mr. Ford? I'll make that. You want to make that motion? Okay. All in favor to go to third reading? Okay. And uh, who would like to make the coup de grace and call for third reading? Mr. Needham? All in favor of Mr. Needham's uh, third reading? And the uh, tax bylaw has Town of Peace River bylaw number 2093 is hereby passed. That deserves a gavel. Um, so now we have a, uh, uh, about, um, if I counted them right, five bylaws. Uh, bylaws 2094 to uh, 2098. Um, the first one, it's 2094 debenture bylaw for sand and salt shed. Um, could we, uh, uh, Ms. Manzer, could you uh, please take over? Sure, thanks. Um, okay, so um, Ms. who is presenting this information to council? Mr. Schramm, please. Um. Good evening, uh, Your Worship and Council. I've um, been asked to present a request for decision for five bylaws. Um, Council approved the 2021 operating capital budget, which identified uh, projects and their funding sources. As per the MGA Act, uh, the town requires that the funding approval utilized debt be approved prior to the commencement of the projects. So we have five uh, bylaws. Uh, the first one, bylaw 2094, is a bylaw to borrow $425,000 for a salt and, and sand shed. And the total uh, cost of the project is estimated at $1.4 million. The second bylaw, number 2095, is a bylaw to borrow $75,000 for the 101st Street playground. And the project costs are estimated to be $75,000 for that. Bylaw 2096 is a bylaw uh, to authorize the borrowing of $72,000 uh, for pool uh, landscaping upgrades. Uh, the total project costs are estimated to be $112,000. Bylaw number 2097 is a debenture bylaw uh, to borrow $300,000 for the Saddleback Park uh, project costs are estimated to be $377,000. And finally, bylaw 2098 is a borrowing bylaw to borrow $35,000 for Athabasca Hall archive storage. And the total cost of that project is estimated at $101,200. So the total amount of the debenture bylaws, uh, all five of them is $907,000. Uh, as part of, the, of its capital budgeting process, the town typically tries to limit new debt amounts to around one point, uh, around $1 million. 
the exception being larger projects such as the multiplex, the 99th Street Slide, or Reservoir 365. So the $907,000 identified this year maintains that amount. The, re the request for the event, uh, decision goes on to talk about the financial impact um, of these borrowings. As of December 31st, 2020, the debt limit of the town of Peace River is projected to be uh, $35,742,105 with approximately 6.9% or $22,854,000 used. Um, there's a table below that um, shows the forecast uh, debt limits and the borrowing capacity for the town for the next five years. So based on the approved capital improvement plan and projected projections done by staff, we're likely to hit around 61.3% of our debt limit in 2021 and be reduced to 49.9% by 2025. Uh, these debt payments have been uh, built into future operating budgets. These debentures, um, these bylaws require le legislative advertising uh, staff will publish in the local paper for two weeks and return to council after the uh, required advertising period and the 15 day um, period that we wait for any uh, petitions to the CAO regarding these uh, borrowings. Now I'm not sure the recommendation of council, uh, to council from administration on each and every one of these bylaws is uh, to move to go to first reading. Uh, I'm not sure if, uh, if I should uh, go bylaw by bylaw on the recommendations. Um, probably motions per bylaw would be required. I would think so as well. So for bylaw 2094, administration recommends the council give first reading to bylaw 2094 a borrowing authorizing the council of the municipality to incur indebtedness for the issuance of a debenture in the amount of $425,000 for construction of a sand and salt ship. So councillors, any questions for the discussion? So note that about 600,000 of the total project is coming from provincial grants. So, uh, the actual town taxpayer is uh, gaining from the provincial dollars, I guess that way, or maybe it's federal, I'm not sure. So if there's no discussion, would someone like to move first reading of um, bylaw 2094, the salt and sand shed bylaw? Uh, Mr. Scamahorn? So move to all those in favor. It is carried. Thank you. Uh, so the next one, Mr. Schramm. Is administration recommends the council give first reading to bylaw 2095, a bylaw authorizing the council of the municipality to incur indebtedness by the issuance of a debenture in the amount of $75,000 for the replacement of the 103rd Street playground. Okay, so this is the project um, that was um, in effect caused by our new um, water um, facility. So any questions on this one? 
Would someone like to move read first reading of bylaw 2095, the uh, 103rd Street playground project? Uh, Mrs. Down or Miss Downing, all those in favor? Great. Uh, those opposed? Okay, Mr. Scammerhorn, did you vote? Yep. Okay, everyone's in favor. Thank you. I got, I got distracted. My apologies. Yeah, that's okay. Thanks. Okay, Mr. Schramm, third one, uh, pool landscaping. Administration recommends the uh, council give first reading to, to bylaw 2096, a bylaw authorizing the Council of the Municipality to incur indebtedness by the issuance of a debenture in the amount of well, $72,000 for pool landscaping project. Okay, and a gang of note provincial grants uh, are 40,000 into this project, which is replacing the um, wooden, um, uh, I don't know what you call it, landscaping at the pool, I believe. Yeah. Okay, um, any questions on this? Mr. Good? No? Uh, yeah, just Mr. Deputy Zip. Mayor. Yeah, just a quick question, if I may, uh, Deputy Mayor. So, yes, I recall the wall in front of the parking area, but uh, I was just curious about the uh, mini soccer field to the east of the building. Is that included in that 72,000 or is that 72 just for the wall? And I see Tanya might be on the line here or, or does anybody know? Yes. Is it just yeah, the yeah. wall or is it the wall and the, I'll call it a, the green space to the east of the building? The, the 2B green space. Um, no, it doesn't include that um, to be green space. It includes the front retaining wall at the front doors and the retaining wall along the side of the building and a, an enclosure for the garbage bin on the south side. Yeah, I'm lost on directions. North, south side of the building? I think it's yeah. south. Yeah. All right, thanks for clarification. I would move. Uh, First reading of 2096, uh, Deputy Mayor. Okay, thank you. Any further discussion? All those in favor of first reading? It's Carrie, thank you. Uh, onwards, Mr. Schramm to Saddleback Park. Administration, administration recommends that council provide uh, first reading to bylaw 2097, a bylaw authorizing the council of the municipality to incur indebtedness by the issuance of a debenture in the amount of $300,000 for the Saddleback Park upgrade. Okay, uh, any further questions on this one? Would someone like to move first reading? Mr. Ford, thank you. All those in favor, first Actually, reading. I had a question. Oh, you had a question, pardon me. Yeah, uh, Mr. Ford? Just, just so council's aware, I actually did speak to uh, Director Bell about this uh, project over the last week. And I see there's a lot of uh, stakes up in the uh, park now as far as uh, planning out the uh, the trail system out there and the uh, and maybe uh, director Bell could speak to this but I did uh, I did notice that we do have an easement that is town property on the south southeast corner um, where public can access that park but there is no uh, staking in there to tie the trail into into that and I'm just wondering if uh, if director director Bell could speak to that so that council has the information that I do turning myself on and off. Um, I'm not sure that it's a debenture question though. Do we wanna have capital conversations at a different point? 
Yeah, I've got, no, I have no issues there. We can discuss this at another time. Sure, sure. I just, I don't want to bog down the debenture bylaw conversation with details of the site design. Yeah. Okay. So um, would someone move first reading of bylaw 2097 Saddleback Park um, project? Uh, Mr. Ford? Mr. Ford moves. All those in favor? <laughs> Carried. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Schramm, last one. Last one. Administration recommends the council give first reading to bylaw 2098, a bylaw authorizing the council and municipality to incur indebtedness by the issuance of a debenture in the amount of $35,000 for Athabasca Hall archive storage. Okay, any questions on the bylaw? Would okay. someone like to move first reading? I'll move first reading. Okay, Mr. Shra or Mr. Scammerhorn, um, all those in favor, <laughs> it is carried, thank you. Okay, uh, next item on the agenda is unfinished business, um, request for decision with respect to expropriation. And Alicia Modi is leading this, I believe. Yes, good evening, thank you. I'm here to speak to the Shaftesbury Water and Sanitary Realignment Expropriation. Uh, the issue at hand is that Council is the approving authority under the Expropriation Act and is required to approve or disapprove, disapprove the, the proposed expropriation of the properties and interests that are shown in Attachment 2 and legally described in Attachment 1. Uh, both of those attachments are attached to the request for decision. Uh, the purpose in the acquisition of the subject properties and interests will facilitate the realignment, construction, maintenance, and operation of water and wastewater distribution lines from Lower West Peace to the Pines area of the town of Peace River. Uh, so the expropriation is going through lands that, where the town has been working with the landowner to update the area structure plan over the last year and almost a half at this point to facilitate the realignment of those lines. However, we are continuing to work on that area structure plan and its final form is not quite yet complete. And the uh, project that is tied to, to that area structure plan, so the realignment of the lines, that is tied to federal funding and the timelines associated with that funding are strict. So it is imperative that we have access to the lands that we are proposing to expropriate uh, in the near, very near future so that we can work on construction in 2021. Um, so in December of last year, council did begin the, initiated the expropriation process. Um, and since that time, notice of intention to expropriate was served to the owners of the subject lands and we have received no objection. So at this point, we have attachment three, which contains all the affidavits of service and publication to show that we have met all of the expropriation process requirements. And we are now at the point where council can approve or disapprove of the proposed expropriation. And we are on a time limit. Um, the town has 120 days from the time that we initiated that process to, uh, to register that on title and to have the certificate of approval. Yeah, sorry, to have the certificate of approval registered. Uh, so we are, that comes up in mid-May. So we are now proceeding and hoping that council will approve the, um, the expropriation. So there are two options tonight. 
The first is that council move that the expropriation of the property and interest set out in attachment two and legally described in attachment one be approved. And that council move that all steps under the Expropriation Act be taken to complete the expropriation, including but not limited to registering a certificate of approval of expropriation service of the notices of expropriation and notices of the proposed payment and notices of possession. So that's option one, um, which provides us with access to the land in the near future to complete the infrastructure realignment. Uh, the costs associated with that include the town's legal fees, appraisal fees, the cost of the land, uh, and the owner's provable damages and the owner's legal appraisal and other costs. So these, and all those expenses are tied to the capital project budget and do not impact the town's operating budget. The other option is for council to decline to approve the expropriation, uh, which means that we are relying on the completion of the area structure plan to gain access to the land. And we are not 100% sure of exactly when that will be. So that is a very risky proposition as it does lead to potential grant funds being lost that are tied to this specific project, which is required. So it is our recommendation that council proceed with option number one. I can take any questions that council has. Uh, Mr. Good. Um, just for clarification, does um, passing this bylaw preclude continued negotiation up until the point of registration or can you still come to a negotiated agreement between now and the registration date? We will definitely continue to work on both the area structure plan and the agreements that could come out of it. So this is basically just, a, this is a protective move that if nothing, if nothing occurred or there was no further discussion, then we would we would make a decision based on the, the needs of the town and the fact that there was no objection to the expropriation process. And, but it doesn't preclude a, a, a how would I call it, a good, an accommodation or an agreement at some point. It, it doesn't preclude it. I will say that based on the timelines associated with it and when the town would take possession of the land legally, uh, that will happen fairly quickly. Uh, okay. So I don't anticipate that. that we will beat out the expropriation process with the other process. We will definitely continue in good faith to work with the landowner and have an updated area structure plan. I think we're on that road. We're just right. not on that road as quickly as the expropriation process is ultimately going to take. Yeah, I'd like to echo that counsel as well, that uh, Ms. Modi's been working uh, diligently with the landowner and the landowner has been very cooperative uh, uh, in this initiative prior to you know, former initiatives that we've tried. Uh, this expropriation, you know, uh, you know, I think we've got everybody on the same page uh, going forward in this. So I'd like to kind of continue this process. Mr. Scammerhorn. So I guess the number one take home for the listeners is that this is a non-acrimonious expropriation. That's correct, yeah. Okay, excellent. Okay, any further discussion or are we looking at a motion? Mr. Just, uh, just some clarification. So down the road, uh, so these these acres are removed from the parcel of land. Is there a new uh, title created and, uh, and a reduction in the current owner's uh, assessment, if you will? So is there a new land certificate created in, in time if this was to go forward? Those, those acres are calculated, the land of, withdrawn and then there's a new assessment is that is that where this would end 
yes, the town would have title to the portion of the land that is expropriated. Okay. We are and, 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 and looking at the map though, does it preclude the owner from using that acres for parking for some other purpose? Is Ultimately, the land that we are proposing to take as the expropriation, uh, based on the current draft dairy structure plan, that overlaps with the road allowance. So the long-term vision is that the land that we are taking for the expropriation where we would run utilities would ultimately become road. Okay, I'm, I'm looking for the downside here and I don't see it. So uh, thanks for that clarification. Okay, would someone uh, be prepared to uh, make a motion? Uh, Ms. Downing. Thank you, Madam Deputy Mayor. I move that. I just wanted to read it from the, sorry, I lost my place, that the council move ahead with the uh, expropriation of the property and interest set out in the attachment to and legally described attachment one be approved. So is that two, is it two motions, uh, Ms. Modi, or is it all included as one? Uh, the one and then number two, that's two okay. separate motions. So carrying on with option one is that all steps under the Expropriation Act be taken to complete the expropriation, including but not limited to registering a certificate of approval of the expropriation of services, uh, or pardon me, expropriation services, service of notice of expropriation and notices of proposed payment and notices of possession. Any further discussion? All those in favor of the motion? It is carried, thank you. Uh, Mr. Tarpe, you're on mute. I think you're on mute, Mr. Mayor. Sorry about that. Uh, I What I was saying was, uh, uh, please carry on, uh, Deputy Mayor. I have a uh, pressing matter to attend to, and I will have to excuse myself for the rest of the meeting. Okay, thank uh, you. Thank you. Um, okay, we're next is new business, request for a decision with respect to the taxi pass uh, policy. And um, Ms. Bell, maybe? Yes. Dr. Bell? Yes, I am here. Um, you're... Deputy and Council, the report before you is in regards to the final adjustments to the taxi pass policy. We have discussed this um, specific amendments to the policy at quite a number of our past meetings, both um, March and April governance and priorities meeting. Um, in addition, I'd also like to point out the Community Services Board was a part of the review and there was a public feedback process that council had the opportunity to uh, review the feedback received through the four week uh, posting of the amendments and proposed amendments to the policy. Um, administration did a little bit of cleanup as it were for, um, took the opportunity to uh, clean up a couple of sections ensuring that the language is very clear um, one of those areas is uh, the severe medical need. We just cleaned up the language so that it was a little tighter and it made it very clear that you had to be 
uh, an approved client to be able to receive that increase of one booklet per month. We also made it very clear that we are not retroactively uh, income testing our current clients in the seniors category. We wanted to make sure that was clear in the policy and not just in an administrative level. Um, however, we also tweaked it so that if you become inactive for at least a minimum of a calendar year, that we will require some income testing if you would like to reactivate. We do have quite a number of people who get on the program, but we don't see them again for years, if ever. So it's important that we do capture them when they try to come back into the program at a later date. Um, we added some terminology, very minor around the authorization of alternate purchaser. It just gives the client an opportunity to put uh, a timeline. So for example, we've had a client who um, became medically incapacitated, unable to come in and purchase their own tickets. They asked to have a family member come in and purchase for them, but they only needed to do that for a two month period. And then they're able to come back in after that. So they didn't want that alternate purchasing um, authority for a full year. They just wanted a specific timeline. So this just gives some flexibility in allowing clients to do that. And we removed the um, age of 18 off, off of the Northern Lakes College um, student category because there's lots of circumstances where someone will start Northern Lakes College and they'll be turning 18 in October or November. So it just seemed a silly requirement. Um, if you're 17 and you're going to Northern Lakes College, you're a student of Northern Lakes College regardless of your age. So the policy that's presented within the report is the significant amendments that have been discussed to date and just the other three or four minor adjustments that administration has proposed. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Good, a question? Yeah, it's just a question. Um, we have a, a disability section. Correct. But unless I miss my reading and I, I may be a quick, if you compare 3.2, and you compare 3.4 individual income, yeah. there's really no difference. Essentially, you are correct. So we added so that whether a person has a disability income. or not, yeah. if they would qualify under the income. Yeah. So my question is, is there a reason for having a disability section in the bylaw that I'm not aware of if there is no um, well, basically, it, it's. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know where yeah. my confusion yeah. lies here? Yeah, we no, I, I understand because... what you're, yeah. I guess we're putting it in, and some of the discussions we've had over the last few meetings is that, again, it just gives one more category for somebody to look at to think they, they qualify, um, at least so that we can have a, a starting conversation with them. And then income is always going to be the significant component of the program, regardless of those initial entrance points. Whether they're so it, it gives them a discussion point, but it's an yeah. income subs, subs. It's an income program, not a disability program. That's I'm that fine. Thank you. Yeah. Any and other? the application process will be very clear and lay that out. Here's your first opportunity for entrance, disability, senior, 
um, whatever the individual second layer is the income attached to each of those eligibility categories. Any other uh, clarifications on the policy? Would someone like to put forth a motion? Um, did I see a hand wave by? Um, Councillor Downing. Thank you, Madam Deputy Mayor. I would like to move on um, on the changes and updates to the taxi pass policies as presented. You're essentially yes. saying that you wish uh, to adopt the updated taxi pass policy as presented? Yes, thank you, Madam Deputy Mayor. If I was a little confusing there, I apologize. Okay, any further uh, discussion? All those in favor? Okay, uh, Director Bell, please thank, you, thank your staff for all their work on the taxi pass program. It's been an ongoing um, uh, thing. And also please thank Community Services Board for their uh, input and review. I will, thank you. Okay, next up we have uh, Library Board Bylaw. And uh, Director Bell and maybe the library director, Channing Stenhouse. Yes. Okay, somebody I'm take it away. here to answer any of your questions, but I'll start by introducing the report and then hand off the question period to uh, Ms. Stenhouse to answer any of council's inquiries. Um, it, this is sort of a, the preamble is a reminder of the role and responsibility of council when it comes to the library board and the library board bylaws. Um, we are, council is required to approve, not adopt um, the bylaws of the library board. Uh, they are presented to council for your review and you have that presented to you this evening. Um, I believe council approved this particular bylaw just a couple of years ago and the library board is presenting an amendment to their fees for council's approval this evening. Um, I have provided an information sheet just again for clarity and information of why council is actually looking at um, a separate entity though you're funded they are also a governance board on their own. So just for clarity. Um, in terms of the change to the bylaw, that's where I'll pass it on to Ms. Stenhouse to answer any of your questions or to provide some, some background of the changes that were made and then answer any of council's questions. So Ms. Stenhouse, I'll pass the torch on to yourself. Thank you so much. And thank you for having us here. Um, what we are looking at, the change to this set of bylaws is in Schedule C, which is uh, page seven. Um, and what this has done is it has eliminated late fees uh, from our, our fee schedule. Um, so in this case, we would be moving over to a model in which overdue fines would not be charged. I do have, I do anticipate some questions and I do have a very quick presentation if you would allow me to share my screen. Is that going to be a possibility? I think it usually is. Yeah. Okay, fabulous, just one second. 
I'm in favor of no late fees already. I'm sold. You're good. You, <laughs> you can, you can save time. You can go home. You can, you are, home. you can, I'm good. I'm not I need home. <laughs> two other people with me and then we're, let's roll. <laughs> I, well, if there are any questions, I, I can go over, you know, what we're no, going to I want the presentation. I'm just, Do this you? is great. This is well, Fabulous. Well, there are, um, we are not asking for any more money. So I just want to make that clear. Um, I'm just going to share my screen very quickly. All right. My apologies, everything is freezing. Oh, technology, our friend. Oh, there you go. Okay. Please excuse me. I'm so sorry. All right. Um, so no more late fees. This is our overview. Um, so what this does question might be, why would we eliminate late fees? Um, this does provide more equitable access. Uh, there is There are studies that show that the uh, patrons who are disproportionately um, burdened by, uh, by late fees are those who really can't afford it. Uh, people who are uh, suffering um, poverty, uh, as well as young parents who take out a bunch of book for their kids. Um, eliminating late fees, it promotes children's literacy and lifelong learning. Uh, it's been shown to increase circulation and membership as people return from uh, being scared away by late fees. It improves the patron experience and it frees up staff to do other great things. Um, so that's just the quick overview of why. How does this work and how will this work for us? Um, so our loan periods and renewals would remain the same. Our due date reminders are sent out. Uh, the week materials are due. Um, we also still send out uh, overdue notices at the seven day and 14 day marks. Those are automatic, those are automated, automated systems that um, are already in place. So people won't see any sort of change in terms of, uh, in terms of the service they've come to expect. At the 35-day mark, overdues are converted to lost status. Again, this is how things are currently, so there's no changes there. And patrons are still billed for lost materials. Um, so the lost material hasn't changed. There's still going to be billed for it, so there is still incentive to get your material back. Naturally, there might seem like there are some risks. Uh, one would be that material may not be returned on time. Uh, the evidence does show that non-return rates do not go up. So we're not the library premiering this, but in fact, there are over 300 libraries across North America that have already done this. And the evidence shows that this is, does not become a problem. Um, the charges still remain for lost or damaged items um, and accounts are blocked when a balance is over $20 or greater. Um, so we, do, we don't run any additional risk of people just taking material and not returning it. Um, additionally, we shortened um, the return date for materials. It used to be uh, six months that people had after they'd paid for something to be able to return it. 
Um, we've shortened that up to 90 days so that we don't have people abusing the system, as well as that does make it a little bit easier for us to figure out what we need to replace and when we should replace it. Um, the next question you might have is, will the budget support this? Um, we're not asking for an increase. In fact, uh, when we presented our budget to council, we put in two. We let you know that we had two initiatives coming up. Um, one is this, removing of late fees, as well as uh, an initiative to get additional homebound service to patrons who might be homebound but aren't at Heritage Towers or Points West. And I'm looking forward to implementing both of these things in May. Um, so we continue to do our, our, our budgeting, make sure that we're streamlining things as much as we can. We are hoping for a modest increase in membership, uh, which is something that other libraries have experienced when they've gone, gone forward with eliminating uh, late fees, as well as, you know, we continue to work with our funders, friends of the library, uh, partners, and apply for grants to make sure that we've got quality, uh, quality service going forward. So as mentioned, there are over 300 libraries in North America that have already done this, and they include some cities you might recognize like Edmonton, Calgary, and Grand Prairie, but also some small towns that are very similar in our population, um, like Devon, Cold Lake, and Stettler. Uh, the, impact, the impacts that communities have seen is the growth in circulation and memberships, um, improved patron relationships because people don't like it when you tell them they suddenly owe $70 in late fees. Um, Increased use of resources by teachers and community programmers. So those people who are borrowing on behalf of others sometimes or using that in a professional setting are more likely to use them. Um, we're able to use staff in a um, use staff time differently so we can focus on providing uh, better service in different ways, which allows us to streamline. Um, there's a, some safety, uh, additional safety that comes from handling less cash, especially while we're in COVID-19. And um, surprisingly, libraries that have already put these, uh, these uh, fine-free initiatives or these late-fee-free initiatives in place actually see an increase in the number of items that are returned. And so this last is just a quote, um, overdue fines do not turn irresponsible patrons into responsible ones. They only distinguish between patrons who can afford to pay for the common mistake of late returns and those who cannot. Overdue fines are a practice that negatively impacts low-income individuals by denying them exactly the service that a library exists to provide. For patrons who can afford to pay, fines represent little more than a minor inconvenience. Right. Um, so if you want to review Schedule C, um, overdue fines, it, this Section C.1, we've eliminated that the, fate, the overdue fines will not be charged. The exception would be is if there's a reason, if there's another library that is going to make late charges upon us, it's not a common occasion, but if there was some sort of a fine incurred from another owning library, so we do have that interlibrary loan ongoing, we would then uh, pass that on to the patron. Again, not a very common thing. Um, the procedures, again, um, they really haven't changed. We still have the seven days uh, notification after due dates, the 14 days uh, again, and then the conversion over to lost materials. Um, the only other piece that has changed here is, uh, um, my apologies, I'm looking for it. 
Oh, yes. Uh, so section three uh, point A, so one A um, uh, bullet point three, um, it was, we've just shortened up that time period. So again, if a patron needs to, uh, uh, if they've lost an item, they have three months from having paid for it uh, in order to, to find the item and return it. Um, used to be six months. We've shortened that up because unfortunately after three months, especially if it's something that's important to the collection, it's a, a bestseller, it's in high demand, uh, we need to be able to reorder those items and not have other patrons wait too, too long on them. Are there any questions? Oops, I did the opposite. Thank you for all your work on this, including your staff and uh, making all the, uh, uh, let's say monthly adjustments to the COVID guidelines. Um, that's been appreciated, I think, by your patrons and um, so on. Um, any further questions though of Channing? No, okay. Well, would uh, someone like to move a recommendation or? Uh, Mr. Good, you're on mute. I'll move. Yeah, I'll move the recommendation to accept the uh, um, amended bylaw. Bylaw as amended. Okay, so Mr. Good moves to uh, accept the amended Town of Peace River Library Board bylaw as uh, presented. Is that good? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, all those in favor? Great. Well, good luck, Channing, and uh, hopefully patrons will be able to walk through your doors and walk around uh, sooner than later. Thank you so much. Thanks, Channing. Thank you. Okay, uh, next up, uh, we go from the library to the museum. And Director Bell, would you lead us through this one? You bet. Uh, the museum board, Peace River Museum Board, has two vacancies. Uh, we did some advertising and lo and behold, have received two applicants, um, very valuable individuals of your community that uh, the board and staff feel would be um, a perfect match to the existing board members and bring forth a lot of enthusiasm, experience, and just great general community knowledge. So before you is a request to appoint the two members, uh, Norm Brownlee and Robin Galloway, for three-year terms to the museum board. Okay, any questions on that? Uh, Mr. Needham? I would just do a motion, uh, Your okay. Worship, if we want to move this along. I would, uh, I would uh, put a, a motion before council that we recommend that Norm Brownlee and Robin Galloway be appointed to the museum board for three years term as members at large. Thank you. Um, all those in favor of the motion? Great, it's carried. Thank you, Director Bell. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay, onwards now to um, proclamation requests and uh, Ms. Hume. Yes, good evening, Council. Um, so this evening we've had three proclamation requests uh, received by the town over the last little bit. Um, they're all for events taking place in May and the early part of June. 
Um, so we thought we'd just bring them all as one request for decision. So the three proclamation requests are for National Public Works Week, uh, May 17th to the 23rd, Rural Healthcare Week, which is May 24th to May 29th, and Seniors Week, uh, June 7th to 13th. These are all um, items that we've proclaimed in the past. Um, they're typically requests we get every year. Um, yeah, so following that um, administration's recommendation is that we get uh, three motions, um, that we approve all three proclamations and that we get three motions, uh, one motion per proclamation. And if anybody has any questions, I'm more than happy to take those. Okay, so you would like one motion to approve the three and then go back and individually approve them? Is that no, three separate motions. Yep. There we go. So okay. One motion. one motion per proclamation effectively. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, before us, we have um, uh, a request for a proclamation for National Public Works Week of May 17th to 23rd. Would someone care to speak to that? Uh, Mr. Good? Mr. Good would move that. Um, yeah, I'll move that we declare uh, May 7th, the week of May 17th to the 23rd to be National Public Works Week in the town of Peace River. Thank you, Councillor. All those in favor? Great. Next one up is the Rural Health Care Week of May 24th to May 29th. Uh, Mr. Needham? Uh, yes, uh, Deputy Mayor, I would uh, move that we declare uh, Rural Health Care Week May 24th to May 29th. <laughs> Thank you. All those in favor of that motion? It's carried. And then we have the Seniors Week, June 7th to 13th. Well, this has to be me. Okay, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because you're the youngest on council? I know well, otherwise know. it's you guys just being all self-serving, right? So <laughs> We enjoy it, thank you. It, it was a setup, Byron. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew it and I had to play right into it. So I, I would like to move that uh, we do uh, a proclamation for Seniors Week to be from June 7th to 13th. Great. All those in favor of that motion? Great. Thank you. So all three are carried and will be officially uh, proclaimed and recognized. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Hume. Okay. Next, we have a request for a decision with respect to community organization property tax exemptions. And Mr. Town looks like he's taking this one, maybe? Oh yeah, I'm ready to do this. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Uh, before you and council is a request for a decision or if you need more information on uh, community organization property tax exemptions or COPTER, um, there's a nice little uh, shorthand to that, um, which, would, which allows municipalities to grant tax exemptions to certain nonprofit organizations if they meet the requirements set out in the MGA and the regulation. Um, not going to go through the background um, here, but again, it just talks about um, municipalities have the authority to do this, um, discusses the criteria. The criteria is both fairly strict yet relaxed at the same time. Um, it's easy to see a lot, of, a lot of organizations meet these criteria if they um, plan their operations or application correct. Um, and then there's 
discretion for council not to consider, staff not to consider um, if uh, organizations would meet those criteria. So staff do pre-screen these if they're not eligible, um, they're not coming before council at this time. And what we've done in the past, we had approved these for three-year blocks. So council last saw this three years ago. Um, and then you've only seen additions to the, um, as applications come in. Um, if you recall, there was the, um, the um, air cadets last mm -hmm. year, for example, as an addition. Mm -hmm. So as part of the report, um, we are listing the organizations. There's two tables there. The first one is the existing um, uh, exemptions that council had given in the past, um, of which there are several being stricken out. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're being removed is, you know, change of ownership, change of status, uh, change of assessment. Um, the ones that are on the list have already been approved by council, the top list. And then there's four new applicants that actually just came in this year. Um, again, one's a change of ownership and three are, are new. Um, and they generally meet the, the uh, criteria or specifications of the, of the uh, exemption. Um, we don't include specific information within this report for council to consider um, something that staff do if council does want that information or they are looking to uh, get into the weeds a bit more on this, then um, we could bring this back to the next, the upcoming GMP meeting. Um, otherwise, if council is um, comfortable with the information, they could just uh, do an approval right now. Financially, um, and again, we have, since we don't, we didn't know the 2021 tax rate at the time, this is based on 2020 information. Um, if the exemptions are approved in the recommendation, that is a total of um, just over $107,000 would be our, our estimate. Um, we did budget $122,000. Um, so we would come under budget if we, um, if this is approved. Um, and that $15,000 would be under expended would become part of our overall uh, surplus position and reported on through variance reports. So a couple options here. Uh, the first would be to grant the exemptions to the organizations for the 2021 year. Um, again, advantages are, you know, they'd be recognized for the service provided to the community. Uh, single year applications are to increase the workload for applicants. And just so council is aware, um, they do have to reapply every year. And if they um, if they don't, and we work with applicants on, on the information received, uh, they do have to send in financial information, just resupply or resubmit the grant, um, um, plus confirm their, their um, not for or like charitable status or not-for-profit status. Um, so that, that does happen. It just doesn't come before council. Option two would be to provide uh, three-year exemptions. Um, advantages and disadvantages are, are similar. It's just an extended period of time. Option three would be to not consider the exemptions. Um, that'd be a, a good financial benefit for us, but I think it would be difficult for the organizations to, uh, to continue some of their operations. And there is a potential if they did appeal, um, 
that um, we would not be successful at the assessment review board uh, level. Um, and the recommendation from staff is that council grant the exemptions uh, to the list on page five of your report to the qualifying community organizations for the three year period 2021, 2022 and 2023. So uh, Mr. Town, just one question. There's uh, one there uh, that's listed three times. Is that because they fit three, I don't know, categories of some sort or how does it uh, work? It's actually three separate parcels. Oh, okay. From a, from a tax perspective, um, and again, they're 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 small um, parcels, but they do um, uh, cover okay. cover their facility. Any any other questions of Mr. Town? I, okay. I guess, what, what is a part of me? Uh, is man? What what is Peace River Lodge number eighty nine? Is that uh... Masonic Lodge? Is that what that is? Okay. Yep. Just, just beside community features. Right. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I just lodge lodges. Help you with going it. up the lodges where old people went. You know. So. Yeah. I, well, I, I was just clear. <laughs> yeah. This, this is it. We're not paying the deficit. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So admin is recommending three options. One is a one-year exemption. Second is three-year exemption and. Uh, the third one is no exemption or some variation thereof. Would someone care to put a motion forward? Mr. Scammerhorn? I would move the three-year uh, exemptions and uh, just reduce the administrative burden on these organizations as well mm -hmm. uh, for the advantage there. So I move the recommendation. Okay. Um, and just a question um, for admin, are these then listed in the minutes? They would be listed in the minutes um, as shown in the recommendations. So the tax roll and the organizations. Okay, thank you. Okay, any further questions on Mr. Scammerhorn's motion? Okay, uh, the resolution is for a three-year tax exemption for these uh, community organizations. All those in favor? Uh, it is carried, thank you. Thank you for your work on that one. Thank you. Okay, moving along now, we are um, at the financial variance report with Mr. Schramm. Good evening again. Um, tonight I'm presenting a briefing note on the first quarter's um, variance reports on the operating side of our uh, budget. It's in the same format that we've been using for the last couple of years. And uh, again, we're still including some of the pandemic and health related restrictions in the um, variance reports. And we're, as we move through the year, we're going to be doing more analysis on um, identifying some of the things that have been affected by the pandemic, such as staffing, consumables, utilities, and things like that. We'll include those on, the, on future reports. So through the first three months of the year, the town's general operating um, is project projecting a surplus of $19,200, which is due to revenues and expenditures uh, identified below. Um, so on the revenue side, we're projecting a favorable uh, variance of $2,200 uh, due to a, a multiple reasons, 
uh, starting off with the multiplex revenues are projected to be at an unfavorable uh, variance of $35,000 to year end uh, due to the restrictions from the pandemic. And again, this is just an estimate. Uh, it will be uh, updated as we move forward uh, as we get uh, more and more uh, data to work with. Uh, the pool revenue is also projected to be at an unfavorable variance of $40,000 to year end. And again, due to the pandemic. Uh, interest on taxation um, is projected to be at a favorable position of $52,000 at year end based on um, further analysis trending of uh, outstanding taxes receivable. Uh, lease revenue is projected to be in a favorable position of $12,200 uh, for ATCO leases um, for transmission structures on two of our properties and adjustments uh, by the Service Rights Board. Uh, then we have conditional grants uh, from the province projected to be in a favorable variance of $13,000 as the province uh, announced financial assistance for municipalities during the upcoming municipal election. So on the expenditure side, overall expenditures are projected to be at a favorable variance of $17,000 to year end for the following reasons. Transfers to organizations under the administrative services is projected uh, is projecting a favorable variance of $25,000 due to an anticipated reduction of applications to, to grants to groups. COVID restrictions have resulted in no applications in the program yet this year and staff have have cautiously projected this to year end. Uh, FCSS wage and benefits is projected in a favorable variance of $6,000 due to position vacancies. Uh, contracted services under community and economic development is projected an unfavorable variance of $68,000 due to the uh, approval of the business support recovery program of up to $75,000, a multiple multi-organizational partnership to assist business recovery through the pandemic. Reductions um, of other economic development budgets totaling $7,000 offset business support recovery program costs. Um, multi multiplex materials and supplies is projecting a favorable variance of $15,000 at this time as pandemic restrictions at the facilities are reducing the need of some of these items. Pool wages and benefits is projected to be at a favorable variance of $39,000 at this time as staffing at the facility has been reduced due to pandemic restrictions. Pool material and supplies is projected in an unfavorable variance of $20,000 due to the emergency replacement of heat exchange, exchanger and boiler number one, excuse me, of the air handling system. And the museum wages and benefits is projected to be in a favorable variance of $20,000 due to staffing vacancies and potential season, seasonal staffing reductions due to the pandemic. When we look at the waste, uh, water, waste water and water operations through the first three months of the year, the town's uh, waste, uh, water and wastewater funds is currently tracked close to budget and there are no variances to report. Thank you. If there are any questions, I'm sure the directors are available to uh, to take them if I can't answer them. Any questions? 
I just have one about the, the pool and the air handling uh, system, the exchanger in boiler one replacement. Was that from the new air handling system that, uh, I don't know, was about a million dollars a few years ago or something else? Unfortunately, yes. Hmm. Well, we needed a guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it unfortunately was during our coldest period too. So um, it wasn't something we could even put off. Yeah, seasonally. So, this this wasn't a warranty item either. I presume. No, we were outside warranty on this particular issue. Such is luck. Yes. <laughs> Any uh, further questions uh, of the reports or of Mr. Schramm? Just to note the savings in wages at the pool because of we were closed predominantly through January and we are approximately 50% less staffing level, 60, 40 to 50% less staffing right now with our current um, rental, household rental system only um, has more than made up for that unexpected expense. But your revenues are also never mind. It, it's just not good all around. <laughs> yes, I yeah. can't sugarcoat it. It's we're well, and whenever COVID comes back, there'll probably be some more training uh, costs to get up to speed again. Yeah, yeah. Any uh, further questions, comments on the variance reports? Well, thank you once again, Mr. Schramm. It's helpful to have these You're and. Welcome. Would someone like to move um, the acceptance of this report for uh, information? So moved. Mr. Ford, all those in favor? Great, it's carried. Thank you again. Okay, we're now at uh, Mr. McQuaig with the wastewater treatment plant tank, aeration tank cleaning project. Thank you, uh, Deputy oh, Mayor and Council. So uh, tonight, uh, just an RFD for consideration is uh, on our wastewater treatment aeration tank cleaning project that was initiated in 2020. And we did uh, secure uh, the majority of the materials for this uh, last year and started the process of actually evacuating the aeration tank. Uh, Part of that process is dewatering the existing sludge that uh, is uh, that comes out of there. And we initially had planned to use our existing uh, rotary presses that we had purchased the year before. Unfortunately, the, the amount of sludge that was evident once we evacuated the tank down was insufficient to be dealt with by the, the size of the uh, rotary uh, press that we have which uh, leads us to requiring a centrifuge uh, be put in place uh, to actually dewater that amount so we can actually complete the cleaning. So uh, last year it was uh, clear that we had missed our opportunity last year because uh, it's very time sensitive when we actually do this work. We do this uh, when we have low river levels. So uh, we, we try to accomplish uh, this work at that point in time. The other issue was just securing uh, a centrifuge. Uh, they're uh, a little difficult uh, to, to come by. Uh, so we have uh, made arrangements uh, with uh, Tabor 
who we've used previously for uh, engaging for a centrifuge rental uh, to uh, provide a quote. We did go out for a number of quotations. We only received two back on this. Uh, and uh, so the estimate uh, that came back for the rental and the associated electrical work to operate the centrifuge is $157,000. So the initial project was approved for $375,000. Uh, the committed uh, capital budget to date is $372,000. Uh, that uh, includes all the labor that uh, we have to clean the tanks as well. Uh, to date, uh, as uh, Mr. Town has committed to the, under the financial implications, uh, our actual costs are $190,000 uh, to date. Uh, but we're still going to ha uh, have a shortfall of $157,000 to to complete this project with this, with this centrifuge uh, rental. So uh, before you, you've got uh, the option to approve the additional $157,000 uh, to the existing capital budget of $375,000, uh, giving the uh, capital uh, approved budget of $532,000 uh, to complete this project. And uh, option two would be to not approve the budget increase and move the additional work in fiscal year 2022. And uh, Mr. Town, I'm not sure if you want to add anything to that. I'm sure I'll just say that there's a, a smorgasbord of financial options there for, for council to consider if they do change the, um, the project budget, um, where the money could come from. Again, we have limited monies. Uh, however, this year, um, as part of the federal budget announcement, um, the feds did indicate that gas tax funding, or as it's now known, the Canada Community Building Fund, or CCBF, um, is doubling this year. So that will give us um, an additional $410,000 of, of monies to spend on or to allocate towards capital projects. So um, what I would look for from a financial perspective, um, if council does change the project um, budget and scope, uh, that the money be funded from the CCBF and uh, the motion identified that as a funding source. We didn't include it in the recommended motion as we didn't want to presume, but that is our recommendation. Thank you. Uh, Mr. McQuaig, in terms of the wastewater treatment plant, um, every year there seems to be a, a quite a project there. Um, is there a, an end to the project there? Well, I will be honest that, uh, you know, typically out of a, a wastewater treatment plant, uh, you've got a life cycle typically of about 30 years, 25 to 30 years. Right now we're operating on year 24 for the wastewater treatment plant. So uh, a lot, the aeration tank cleaning is a periodic one and we need to complete that every five years. So this is not an unusual uh, thing to complete with uh, the wastewater plant. Uh, but uh, overall, in uh, the larger perspective, uh, we are running into some life cycle issues with the, the wastewater treatment plant uh, that, you know, we have to start uh, looking and planning for. So that might be part of a next budget cycle That's bit correct. of information? Yeah. 
No. Thanks, Mr. Pardon me. Yeah, just when you say life cycle issues, you don't mean a whole new plant. You mean just like the things that are there need to be replaced type situation. Well, yeah. there are uh, a couple strategies to look at that. One is uh, there's always a plan to put in a second train uh, for the wastewater plant. And what I mean by train is another set of aeration tanks, a RAS pump room, and a secondary clarifier at the end of it. So du duplexing what we have at the end of the, the wastewater plant, duplexing that whole system uh, to extend the, the life cycle of the whole plant. There are uh, some life cycle things that we have to uh, still tackle. One is our automation system down there uh, is aging, you know, just from a technology standpoint that uh, some of the technology that we're using down there, uh, we can't get parts for anymore. So th things like that, we have to, to recreate. And then just overall, uh, from a perspective of the whole structure, uh, when you're looking at from one end to the other, you know, we need to look at a plan to replace the whole system as a whole at some point. Uh, and usually, you know, you start looking at that, you know, as you start approaching that year 30 in your life cycle, you know, within, you know, five to 10 years of that, you want to look at uh, replacing that entire plant. And that there's a number of reasons for that as well is looking at, you know, new, uh, new technologies that uh, you can bring into it uh, to treat wastewater are avail available that weren't available 30 years and also environmental regulations that affect, uh, you know, just uh, what you need to get into when you start looking at uh, new plant inf infrastructure as well. Okay. Mr. So Dean. the cost of water is going up. Well, it's, yeah, another infrastructure project. We've got lift stations, we've got pump stations, we've got neighborhood renewal programs. We've, it, the, the list goes on. It costs money to run a municipality. I, I'm not surprised after 24 years, things start to break down. Just for clarification, if there was such a motion for 157 and it came out of the Canada Community Building Fund, uh, does, does that link to the fund, i.e., uh, if we don't get the money, we don't do the project. Is that is is that fair? That would be. We, we 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 don't know if we're going to get the money. Is that correct? Well, at, and I'll leave that as a director town question. Um, well, I'll defer back to Director McQuig. Is you know if if this is so, I think primarily we're looking for approval to proceed. Um, if we get that approval, then. We'd also like a recommendation or a motion to identify the funds, um, knowing that if we need to, if that doesn't come through, we'll have to find alternative funding. Um, Minister LeBlanc, um, the other day I was on a, one of these seminar things with him and uh, the federal minister was talking about, um, yes, the gas tax was doubling, et cetera, et cetera, but the timing may be you know, the usual issue. But so in terms if, of if we didn't secure the funding, yeah, we would have to kind of defer this project to a future year. So if you were to start it, though, you want to finish it this year? Or is that, this really correct. a two-year? Yeah, we, we've got uh, things lined up that if we secure the funding, we, we can have that clarifier here 
at the end of July, which is our construction window that we want for this year. Uh, and then the, the balance of August and beginning of September would be uh, the construction window that we would have to get this uh, work complete. And so if, 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 if you did, sorry. I'm uh, sorry, Deputy, just so Jim, just follow along that, that string. So if we didn't do it and it pushed over a season, do we rebid the project or is AGS good with the project next year? Uh, I'd have to talk to them. They probably wouldn't look to holding their prices out another year. They were good with holding their prices good to this year. I can't speak for them whether they would hold that those same prices out a third year. Mr. Good? So when I take a look at the, the wording here is interesting. Um, staff is recommending that it be funded from the Canada Community Building Fund. And then there's the line that says no impact to the operating budget water rate in 2021. My assumption is that that no impact is if it is funded from the Canada um, the, the fund. However, if that doesn't come through, then there will definitely be an in, impact. I'm, I just do kind of yes or no That's, on that one. That, that, that is correct. Yep. So if we're trying to get to a place of no financial implication um, on 2021, um, and the recommendation is that it be funded from that, I, I think we, I'll make a motion that we approve the additional $150,000 added to the capital budget and that the funding come from the Canada Building Community Building Fund. Um, and that's my motion. The reason I'm making it that way is if it doesn't get funded, it can always be brought back for discussion. There's no law that says it can't, but it does point out that that's where it's coming from. So that's my motion. So, so I just ask that you put it to 157,000, Councillor Good. I thought, this, okay, yes, I thought that's what I did, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Probably am. Okay. <laughs> I think $157,000 added to the capital budget of 375, okay. as it's worded. Okay, so the motion is understood. Any further discussion? All those in favor of the motion, 157,000 from the Canada Community Building Fund. Great. Good luck Thank with you, that, um, yeah. Mr. McQuaig. Another project for the year. Okay, do we have, uh, oh yes, we do have the fire chief, uh, Tim Harris here and Next item is a request for a uh, application, support of an application for a grant for wildlife preparedness planning. Mr. Harris. Thank you, uh, Your Worship and Council. Um, yes, so we're looking for a council resolution to support a grant application to FRIA, which is the Forest Resource Improvement Association of Alberta, um, to develop these wildfire preparedness guides and sprinkler plans. So as uh, Council probably remembers last year, we did secure funding from FRIA to um, develop the wildfire risk assessment and mitigation strategy plan. And one of the recommendations coming from that plan is to go one step further and develop these uh, wildfire preparedness plans. Um, so I did submit an application as an expression of interest to FRIA for that in February of this year. And uh, we were shortlisted for a full proposal is how they do their grants. You do initial expression and then they pick uh, so many um, projects and we submit a full proposal. 
part of that full proposal is uh, a council resolution supporting the grant application. That's what I'm asking for today. And I note it talks about uh, sprinkler deployment plans. So that is kind of assumed to be part of that um, uh, wildfire or wildlife or wildfire. Yeah, so it, it's a, it'll be a general, um, a general wildfire preparedness plan for the town and then a few specific sprinkler deployment plans for those areas considered to be at risk. And it's kind of those areas in town where there's a, a fuel wick that comes into town with more coniferous type trees, such as, uh, you know, coming up the uh, Heart River Valley is quite a significant fuel wick. So some of those, those trees give off a lot more embers, which could then come into the community. Um, and then the south end of town, Riverview. And uh, just to give you just a, a quick um, idea of what we're looking at. Um, so this is an example of a uh, sort of wildfire preparedness plan and, and sprinkler plan. I know it is just for a very small community here in Athabasca um, County. I can just make it a little bit bigger. But basically, you know, they identify evacuation routes. Uh, all the blue circles are the sprinkler locations. Identify areas where they're too dangerous, say, for fire departments to go into in the event of a wildfire. Um, you know, where water resources, all that kind of thing. Um, and then it also includes information on sort of contacts, resources and fire departments in the area, um, you know, staging areas, escape routes, evacuation routes, evacuation protocols, and the plans. And it basically comes in a um, you know, condensed sort of form where it's a sort of one page type thing. Obviously the town of Peace River, a little bigger community would be a little more involved in that. Um, the, the idea with the grant is again to if we secure the funding, we would engage a contractor to carry out the plan um, with some you know, administrative support from myself and, and uh, town staff. Good. Okay, any further questions of Mr. Harris? Would someone be prepared to put forth a motion? Mr. Ford? I'd put a motion on the floor that council pass a resolution as presented in option one. Okay. So um, any further discussion? All, uh, Mr. Good? No. Okay. All those in favor of the motion? Great, it is carried. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. Harris. And then you're up again with uh, uh, application from the same um, group for fire smart home hazard assessments. Yes, correct. I'm trying to get the most money I can from the government while they're offering it. Um, so again, this is again coming out of the, the plan that was developed last year. Uh, one of the stretch the recommendations was for home fire smart hazard assessment. So these are where um, basically we would have, it's basically looking for grant money to pay for even casual firefighters, the ones we have, or um, taking on some staff to go to people's homes and carry out these fire smart home hazard assessments. And you're identifying the things around the home that would um, sort of accelerate the, the chances of a fire starting 
in that home, things, you know, such as, you know, trees too close to the buildings, the build up of debris under decks, log piles close to the house, type of materials that the house is made of, and roof, roofing, siding, that kind of thing. Um, because I also, when I had these, uh, these plans developed last year, I had the same done in the county Northern Lights, because I'm also the regional fire chief there. Again, one of the recommendations there was to get these home fire smart hazard assessments done. So rather than sort of applying for two, two grants, one for each municipality, basically looking for, for one grant to do these assessments in both municipalities. Um, and, and it sort of would be a approximately 50-50 split. We're looking to do 400 assessments over two years. So basically 100 in each municipality in each year. Okay. Any other questions of uh, the fire chief? Not a question, Deputy Mayor, but more of a comment. Um, the last uh, ACCPA conference that I attended was in uh, Canmore, and uh, the fire department in Canmore does have a, uh, a fire smart program like this, and it's quite successful. Thank you. I think County of Greenview is heavy duty into this as well. There are a lot of, uh, the town of Whitecourt is, uh, has been doing this sort of fire smarting for, for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, it is the way forward. Obviously everyone's aware of the risk and what has happened in the past with Slave Lake and Fort Murray. Um, so the government is, is, is pushing for this kind of preparedness rather than spending the money after the fact is spending the money up front to try and prevent these uh, situations from occurring. So um, just trying to do the more, the most we can with without any impact on the uh, tax revenue. Yeah. Do they give you a little more money because you're covering two municipalities? Um, I mean, I've applied, I'm also applying for the wildfire preparedness guides, plans, mm. whereas if the county, so I've got another grant application, so I've got okay. three going in at the moment and all three of them went to full proposal. So yeah. um, administrative rather than I think it would be the same amount of money if I applied for half there and half here on this particular one. It just makes sense to do it together. So. Yeah. But they, they, again, they appreciate that regional cooperation as well. Okay. Uh, Mr. Ford, a question? Um, not a question, but uh, not to be greedy with the fire department, but uh, I put a motion on the floor that uh, council pass a resolution as described in option one. Okay. Uh, Mr. Needham, you had a... Just... Yes, uh, it just before we uh, vote, Deputy Mayor, and we're on the uh, topic of Fire Smart, uh, Fire Chief Tim, uh, we had a presenter before us uh, a couple, three months ago, and there was a plan presented. Uh, and I, I want to get the correct handle on the name of that. And I'm, I'm struggling for the proper name, but uh, while we're on the topic of fire plans, my question is, is, is that plan finalized? Uh, and I ask that in the sense that there were a couple of suggestions. Uh, well, I'm not sure if deficiencies is the right word, but uh, power lines and utilities were identified as one area that were that were missed in that report. So, is is, is that report done, or is it still? So, so while we presented back then, correct, councillor, it's the wildfire mitigation plan, uh, and it was presented in draft form. 
Um, we, the, the contractor had, had created the draft form. We were then sending that out to some of the stakeholders for final input. We presented it at that time for, for council's input and that input was taken in into the, you know, for the final plan. Um, the, the contract wanted to get that sort of draft plan ahead of time so that we could then apply for the current funding because the FRIA opens up their grant applications just twice a year. So once in January, once in, in July, we wanted to get in on the earlier applications. So that's why we're kind of using the draft plan. So that plan will be finalized. Um, the project timelines for that plan was for the final draft and reporting to FRIA to be done uh, in June this year. So we will be finalizing that plan and then bringing that back. And then we can, you know, in future years, apply for more funding for some of those other strategies that were recommended. And as you correct, what some of them were to deal with uh, utility companies, um, rail, rail lines, and to, to see what they can do to reduce the fire hazard in, in areas of their responsibility. All right, good. Now that helps clarify the timing and the, uh, the sequence of, uh, of these plans. So uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah, we just wanted to get ahead of the curve and, and get these grant applications in just for the time on the process. So I could start on just some of the strategies, um, sort of some of the low hanging fruit, which is what these uh, couple of applications well, makes, are for. Uh, makes perfect sense to do, to do that. No problem. Thank you. Okay, we have a motion on the floor for Mr. Ford to accept option one. All those in favor? Great, it's carried. Thank you, uh, Mr. Harris. And uh, thank you and all your guys for the work this weekend and stuff as well. Very busy. Yeah, so uh, if I may, how you worship. So we did, we did do the uh, control guns on the weekend with our window of opportunity. Um, was there for the weather conditions and, and the, the state of the, the dry grass. So we were successful in uh, doing a large burn area on the south end of town, just on the on the west side of uh, 101st Street to protect those houses there on the riverbank. Um, and then we also did an area below the uh, Cool Springs Mobile uh, Trailer Park um, to, again, those upslopes. And then on Sunday, we actually did an area in uh, Saddleback Ridge, Rolling Hills area between those houses and uh, Misery Mountain. So what we concentrated on was areas where uh, upslope, where um, there's a lot of dry grass and slopes going up and houses at the top. So if the fire starts in those areas, it very quickly will go up and be straight into those backyards. Um, we had identified some other areas in town, the north end of town around the off-leash dog area. Um, and some other areas around the high school. We may not get to those this year. Um, the forecast this week is for snow and rain all week. Um, and then it may start greening up. So we wanted to concentrate on the really high risk areas, which, uh, which were the ones we, we focused on. And then as I think I did send out a release on Saturday after we'd been doing that all day, we had um, well, three continuous grass fires in a row just as soon as guys got back to the hall and we're just about to go home, we would get another one. And then I think I was home for about an hour. And then we had another one at uh, 10 o'clock at night in the South End, right next to the area we, we burnt earlier. It wasn't related to what we burnt. It was uh, through some discharge of fireworks 
at 10 o'clock at night. Um, we've started two separate grass fires in that area. So we, we quickly extinguished that one. So it was a busy day. How long? Uh, I think it was 8.30 to 12.30 at night. So it was about a 16-hour day. Um, and then even during the day on Sunday, we were doing control burns. We had a call for a, a kitchen fire in the middle of that as well. So it's been a very busy weekend. Yeah, very busy time of the year. Well, thank you and your guys, or guys and girls, everyone, for all your work. And uh, um, I guess we hope you don't have too much of that work in future, but thanks for being there. Thank you. Okay. And now we're at reports. Um, we have community services board and museum board minutes. And who would like to speak to these? Uh, Deputy Mayor, I'm here if anyone has any questions. It's just for council's information, the last three board meetings of the community services board and the one meeting of the museum board from March. Any questions of Director Bell? Would someone like to move, uh, Mr. Ford? Yeah, not a question, but I'd like to uh, highlight that uh, we had the, uh, our chair is uh, once again reelected for another term for one year extension. Um, that's former Councillor Terry Sawchuk and two other board members have are back on again for another one year term extension. And also, if you look at the Community Services Board report, you'll see the uh, successful FCSS grants to groups uh, uh, recipients. Great. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, would someone like to move the acceptance of the uh, Community Services and Museum Board minutes? Mr. Good, all yep. those in favor? Great, it's carried, thank you. Thank you. Information item, we have uh, one from the Peace River and District Chamber of Commerce. Um, Councillor Downing, they're having a general membership meeting. Just, uh, this is just a heads up that on the May 12th general membership meeting, uh, the Honorable Doug Schweitzer will be attending that meeting and presenting. So it will be by Zoom and anyone who wants to join, you're welcome. And if you don't have a link or you don't get a link, reach out to me and I'll make sure you get it. Okay, so May 12th. Yeah, May the 12th from 11.30 to 12.30. Great. Okay, thank you. Thank and you. Another information item from the village of Berwyn. Uh, a copy of a letter that they are sending to Premier Jason Kenney um, with respect to Bill 52 which has to do with the recall process for um, uh, municipal councillors. So it's an information item unless council wishes to uh, have some action on it. Okay, maybe uh, someone would move uh, acceptance of the two reports. Um, items, uh, where are they here again? Um, there are two information items, 10-1 and 10-2. Mr. Needham, thank you. Okay, all those in favor? Great, it's carried. Okay, do we have any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? We have none, Deputy Mayor Renzer. Okay, thank you. Um, no comments from the public? Uh, we haven't received anything. We've received none, no. No, okay. 
<coughs> pardon me, um, key communication items from this meeting. Uh, Ms. Hume, what's your um, thoughts? The ones I've identified, uh, we've got the tax rate bylaw. There was some good discussion tonight, so we'll incorporate uh, that into our information going out with tax notices. The debenture bylaw advertising process is um, going to get underway after tonight, so that will help us highlight some of that. We'll also be working on um, project pages to advertise the projects, the work that we're doing, um, both to announce them and for updates throughout the process. Um, taxi pass policy changes will be communicated out. I'll work with community services, make sure that that is clear. Um, we've got the proclamations. Advertising for those will take place during the respective weeks. And uh, the community property tax exemption also seemed like a, a good news item to get out there. Okay. Councillors, any other items you would like to suggest? Okay, sounds like we're good then. Thank you, Ms. Hume. Okay, uh, would someone like to move that we go to closed session? Uh, Mr. Scammerhorn um, moves that we go to closed session at 7.08. All those in favor? Great, it's carried. Good, everybody's here. Um, so would someone like to move adjournment? Uh, just uh, one clarification, uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer. I'd just like to clarify um, uh, the purpose we went into in camera was uh, was mislisted. Uh, um, it was under section 25 that it was listed and it should have been section 20 or sorry, section 27 it was listed. It should have been listed section 25, disclosure harmful to economic and other interests of a public body. That's what it should have been listed as and not under 27. Uh, so I apologize for uh, that uh, error being put uh, onto the agenda. Okay, so that'll be reflected in the minutes? It will be reflected in the minutes, that is correct. Okay, thank you. Okay, someone we're, like we're to- We're all gonna out and read the MGA now. <laughs> someone like to move adjournment. Okay, Mr. Scammerhorn, all those in favor? Great, everyone. Okay, have a good evening.